I would fire him, but, you know, you take what you can get. Amen. But um, uh, this morning, we're going to be going over uh, the rapture and the revelation contrast, and I'm going to be over, going over five things. We're going to be going over the partial rapture position, the post-tribulation rapture position, the mid-tribulation rapture position, the pre-tribulation rapture position, and distinction between the rapture and the revelation. That's why y'all need to listen quickly. Amen. So, uh, we, uh, we're... What I'm, what, I'm, what I'm wanting to do, uh, you cannot understand the book of Revelation without understanding the book of Daniel and vice versa. And so I need to go over a brief, uh, uh, a very brief uh, review of, Revel of Daniel. Now, I went over this last year in detail, uh, but this morning in Daniel chapter 9, I'm going to briefly go over this again. Um, let me find my pointer. The prophecy speaks of 70 weeks. And when we looked at it last, last, last uh, year, uh, this is something that's really not contested among, among Bible scholars. Everything else I'm going to talk to you about is debatable. But most people all agree that this 70-week prophecy that Daniel gives is actually a 70-year uh, because the Bible speaks when talking about eschatology of one day being as, as a year. And so instead of 70 years... Uh, or 70 weeks, uh, this is actually like 490 years. And, and again, that's, that's, that's pretty acceptable among everyone, so I don't have to go into a whole long explanation of that. But uh, I do want to look here uh, at uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, and the Bible says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins to make um, reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem uh, excuse me, unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks, and we looked at that three score, our score is 20, so that's three score is 60 in two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after the three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince, notice the small p, prince, that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice of the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and the determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Okay, so basically what I want to look at right there, like again, I'm going to go over that 70-week that period is broken down into three times. There's a seven-week time, there's a 62-week time, and then there's a one-week time. Now, when, when Daniel wrote this, this was all prophetic. But we know from history that that seven-week time and that that 62-week time has already happened, so it's now historical. But that one week that's left there is... Uh, uh, I got a little star there. That one week left there is... is uh, 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 again, is in the future. 
and that one week instead of seven days is seven years, and that period is called the time of Jacob's trouble or, or the tribulation period. And so what I need you to keep in mind is that that 49-year period was the restoration of Jerusalem. That happened. Then you had a 62-week period, it says, uh, till the coming of the Messiah, uh, that he would be cut off. And that happened. That was at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now, some people think that that cutting off of the Messiah was when he got anointed three and a half years before his crucifixion, and we're going to get into that a little bit. But um, uh, understand that was really the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Then there's, then there's a parenthesis right there, a parenthesis between the, the 69th week and the one week. And that's what we're living in right now. The age that we're living in is the church age, and we're in between Daniel's 69th and 70th week. And I, I do need to make sure review that, make sure everybody understands that. That one week is in the future, and ever, most all Bible scholars agree with that part. The partial rapture position. We went over that some uh, the week before last, and I do need to, I find it necessary to review that because I'm looking at a tribulation period, and we're looking at a premillennial uh, 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 rapture. Now, <clears throat> in review again, I'm going to get my little star there. I mean, take, try to get my little, uh, you don't want the mouth. There we go. Uh, right here is a pre-tribulation dispensational, okay? We believe in the crucifixion, and then we believe in the rapture, the, the, the coming of Christ right here. Then we believe in a seven-year tribulation period. Then we believe in the second advent of Jesus Christ coming right here, and then a thousand-year millennial reign. Now, that's not believed by all, as I explained. Now, some people believe in a post-tribulation, they don't believe in this rapture. So they believe in the crucifixion. It goes straight into Christ's second advent, then a thousand-year millennial reign. These are both believe in the thousand-year millennial reign. But when you go down here to post-millennialism, they don't believe in a rapture. Uh, they, and they, they believe we go straight into the millennial. Remember I said they, they believe that the world's going to get better and better and better to, uh, for Christ to come in, amen, and then he'll come in at his second advent, amen. Now, then you've got the all-millennialists. Uh, they don't believe anything. I mean, they, they throw out so much Bible uh, that, that it's unreal. They, they don't believe in a rapture. Uh, they, they, don't believe, uh, they don't believe in a millennial. They have a symbolic millennial that Christ is currently reigning on the right hand of the throne of God, and that's their millennial. And they believe that Christ got crucified in the second coming. This is believed by a lot of your major denominations, by your, by your Catholics and your Methodists and, uh, uh, you know, there's some Baptists in England and others that believe in, in your all-millennial. What I want to point out right here, your post-millennial and your all-millennial, they don't believe in a rapture at all, okay? And so, and, 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 and you've got to throw away a lot of scriptures to believe that, and you've got to spiritualize a lot of things to believe that. And we know the, the number one rule to studying the Bible is you've got to take the Bible literal. It cannot be taken figurative. It has to be taken literal where it can be. Now, I know there's some verses out there when John says, Behold, the Lamb of God comes and was talking to Jesus Christ. We know he was not a literal lamb. Amen? But you take the Bible literal unless it's just obvious that you can't. When you're studying eschatology, you have to take it literal. So that's what we're going to look at right here. Uh, but first thing I want to go over is a partial rapture uh, theory. Now, this present age, the church age, uh, we're looking for the translation of us into the Lord's presence. Amen? And that translation of the church uh, is one of the major considerations in eschatology. Uh, it's one of the most debated. There's different theories on that. Um, 
it's one of the questions which Bible students are continuously uh, talking about on, on, on whether Christ comes before the rapture, in the middle of, excuse me, before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation. And there's a lot of debate on that. I'm hoping to clear up some of that debate today. Uh, I told Brother Andrew before, before studying this, I, you know, I was 99.99% sure of a pre-tribulation rapture, but after studying and doing all the things I've done, I'm 1,000% convinced. Amen. And I'm looking forward to coming back uh, before we even get through here. Amen. Uh, but remember from last week, there are some that don't believe this. Uh, the first theory associated with the translation of the church or the rapture of the church is that not everyone will be raptured out. They believe it's going to be a partial rapture. And where do they get that from? They say that only those that are looking for the, the, the that are waiting and watching will be raptured out. Now, uh, the, the problem with that is, and, and these people that are waiting and watching are going to have some extra spiritual uh, discernment, and they're the only ones that's going to be raptured out. Well, when you do that, you've got you to do away with a lot of Scripture, including the one that says, uh, uh, you know, uh, we're all going to be in the, in the moment of the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed, amen. And so uh, the partial rapturist has a misunderstanding of the value of the death of Christ. The death of Christ frees a sinner from, 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 uh, from condemnation and renders him acceptable to God. We're, we're forgiven. I mean, we're, we're, we're made perfect in God. When God sees us, he looks through the blood. We're, we're a perfect human being. And, and, and that's how we're getting to heaven. Amen. Uh, it's bound up in three words, perpetuation, redemption, uh, and reconciliation. You have to do away with all that if you think only part of the people that are saved are going to be raptured out. Uh, and, and I could go into sanctification, justification. You've got to do away with all those doctrines. Uh, but, at, but the results is a, we are a perfect, we have a perfect salvation. We are justified by the blood of Christ. We are made acceptable unto God by what Christ did. And, and, and um, God placed us positionally in Christ. When Christ looks at us, I mean, when God looks at us, we're seen on the same level as Jesus Christ when it comes to the rapture. Um, if you're looking at only those that are watching and waiting, uh, the sinner, then you're making the sinner less than justified. You're saying that what Christ did on the cross is not acceptable. It's not good enough. Number two, you must deny the New Testament cheating of the unity of the body of the Christ. When we, when we got saved, we became a part of the body of Jesus Christ of whom he is the head. So if you only have part of the people getting raptured up, you're just figuring his body, amen? And that can't happen. Uh, number, 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 uh, also, you're looking at a building. The Bible says the church is as a building of which he's the chief cornerstone. So if you do that, that building is incomplete if you're only taking up part of the people, amen? Yet the Bible says that we are part of his priesthood on whom he's the head priest. So if you do that, then you have an incomplete priesthood right there going up. And then um, the... the uh, uh, the, the bride, we're considered the bride of Christ. So if you sit there and you only take up part of the bride, then what have you got? You've got a disconfigured bride, and God don't work that way. Number three up here, you must deny the completeness of the resurrection of the believers at the translation. Again, we shall all be changed. When? In the moment, we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkle of an eye. Amen? Number four, you must confuse the scriptural teaching on rewards. They say that you're, the only ones that are going up are those that are looking for, for his return. 
Now, there are five rewards that the Bible talks about, and one of them is a crown of righteousness. And we do get that crown of righteousness by looking for his return. Amen? But it's a reward. It's not, it's not a condition on which we are to be raptured. And they confuse that. Numbers, uh, they, they confuse the distinction between the law and grace. If you add anything to being raptured or getting saved, then you're putting yourself under law. Even if it's something as simple as looking for his return, then, then, then that's, a, that's a set of works, and you are, you are doing away with the grace of, of Jesus Christ that was, that was uh, uh, from Calvary right there. You must deny the distinction between the Israel and the, and the church. Now, the second rule of, of Bible study, and, and most everybody in here knows that, you have to look at who the Bible's talking to. The Bible's either talking to the Jew, the Gentile, or the church. And so when, when, you, when you look at that, you're placing us under the law, and you are not distinguishing between Israel and the church. They are, they are two different identities. Number seven, you must place a portion of the believing church in the tribulation period. Folks, I, I've said this over and over and over again. We will not spend one nanosecond in the tribulation. Amen. Uh, and, and I give the example of my wife. I would not do anything to ever harm or definitely take my wife through something I know that is bad. Amen. Jesus is much better than I am. And so he's not going to take us, his bride, through that either. Not for one nanosecond, do I believe. <clears throat> the post-tribulation rapture. Y'all doing good so far? Y'all listening? I mean, I, 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 I do have a lot to cover. Post-tribulation rapture theory. This theory holds that the, that the second advent, that the rapture and the second advent happen at the same time. So as Christ is leaving heaven and coming down to earth, he's going to call all the church up to meet him They'll be changed, they'll flip around, and then we'll come down at the, at the end of the tribulation or at the, bottom, at the battle of Armageddon. Okay, that, that is the post-tribulation theory. The post-tribulation theory is based on the denial of dispensations. Um, and, you know, when you understand dispensations, that's a period of times that the Bible has broken down in. And they have to do away with all that. Um, uh, post-tribulation must be based on the denial of disp dispensationalism and all dispensational distinctions. The only way they can place the church in that period, which is particularly called the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, they have to take these passages from Matthew, Mark, uh, from Luke, and they have to apply them to the church. And that's where uh, all, your, all your theologians get messed up on this theory right there. Uh, you cannot take passages that are applied strictly for Israel and try applying them to us to here in the church. Number two, Israel and the church are two distinct entities in the plan of God and must be regarded. I read a, a book on dispensations one time, and, and part of that chapter was, caught, was, was entitled, Whose Mail Is It Anyway? And uh, I kind of like that idea. You know, you got to look at whose mail you're reading. Amen. All the Bible is written for us, but not all is written to us. Amen. God never changes. God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I understand that, and I understand that. But the way he deals with people in different time periods is different. This position rests on the denial of the distinction between Israel and church. Number three, further, it must be noticed that from the the term tribulation is used in several different ways in Scripture. It's used in a non-technical and a non-eschological way sense in reference to the suffering and testing. 
We all go through tribulations at times, amen? But we don't go through the tribulation, the seven-year period that the Bible is talking about. And you have to understand the difference, and the Bible does use the word tribulation in, the, in, in, in that sense. It's also used in a technical or eschatological sense in the fact that, of the, again, of the seven year, whole seven-year period, it's used in a reference to the last half of the seven years over in Matthew uh, 24, 21. When the word tribulation is used in reference to the church in John 16, 33, it's used in a non-technical sense. If you get that and you try applying that word over in Matthew to the church today, then you've got to say that we've been in tribulation for, for 1,900 plus years right now. Amen? And, and that's just not the case. Uh, number, number four, uh, the post-tribulations must deny all the distinctions observed from the Scripture between the rapture and the second advent, making them one. So again, they believe that Christ is coming back from heaven and he's going to call up, we're going to be going up with him and immediately turn around and they're making that one event. Folks, the, the Bible is clear. That is two separate events right there. And I, and, and I believe that more than ever. I mean, I've always believed it, but I mean, I really, it, it's, 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 clear, it, it's, it's clear as can be right now. Number five, the post-tribulationists must deny the doctrine of eminence which says the Lord may come at any time and substitute the teachings that a multitude of signs must be fulfilled before the Lord can possibly come. Now, they do have signs, and God did, 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 did tell them of signs that they could look for. Now, I understand. I even look at these signs because I, I do believe that the tribulation period, uh, it casts a wide shadow, and we're seeing some of the things. Well, folks, I mean, we're seeing more things come together than ever before right now. I mean, setting up. The Antichrist could take hold right now and everything would be set up that's talked about in Revelation. Everything. There's nothing else that has to take place. Nothing. But you know, when you, when, you, when, you, when you look at that, you're looking at signs. Now, I went over last week, I went over where Paul talked about uh, in, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And I looked over 19 characteristics of the things that would, be, that would happen in the last days. Folks, every one of those things are happening on steroids right now. I mean, boom, they're just like... Uh, 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 out of this world on those 19, but those are 19 characteristics of the last day. They're not signs of the end times. There are no signs to his coming. His coming can happen at any time. The historical, uh, the okay, excuse me, number six, the post-tribulation denies any future fulfillment of the prophecy of Daniel, claiming it for an historical fulfillment. Uh, the historical argument is that a man named Darby back in 1830 started all the pre-tribulation theory and that, that nothing that was never mentioned before Darby did in 1830. And folks, that's just not true. That's almost like saying that Dr. Ruckman or Gail Riffinger were the ones that came up with the King James Bible being the only infallible, inerrant, perfect word of God. That's not true. It was always that way, but they expounded on it and they explained it and 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 and... Uh, they, they, they taught that teaching, but they didn't invent it. Uh, no more than Darby invented a pre-tribulation. It's always been there. The historical fulfillment of Daniel 9, 24 through 27 states that the 70th week started when John baptized Jesus. Um, now, folks, uh, the, there are some teachings on that, and I can... I, I, 
I don't get what they get that, but I'm just going to let you know that, that it's out there, okay? And uh, there's, uh, there's one man from Florida, and he teaches that Daniel's 70th week started and not with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but started with the baptism of Jesus three and a half years early. And he believes that three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week has already been fulfilled historically because from the time he got baptized to the time he got crucified was three and a half years, so that the tribulation period is only going to be three and a half years. Now, folks, that just can't be so because of the fact that Daniel's week, that one week right there, it cannot be broke. It's strictly broken up into two periods. Amen? But it's all in, in one segment. I'm going to get into that in a little bit later, but I want to throw that at you for right now. And others believe the same thing, that there was seven years that were given, and so all that seven years is history and not prophetic. Uh, but it's just not so. And, I, and I, I'm going to explain that in a little bit. I hope I didn't confuse anybody or I didn't, you know, some of you may believe that, and that's fine, uh, but, but that's, not what I, that's not what I see. And, and I, again, I'm up here teaching, so I'm just telling you what, I, what I'm seeing. Amen? Mid-tribulation period. A view less prevalent than the post-tribulation, but this is another view and this theory explains the time of the rapture in relation to the tribulation period is in the mid-tribulation period. According to this interpretation, the church will be raptured at the end of three and a half years. So they believe in a, a, a seven-year tribulation, but they believe that the rapture doesn't happen to the first three and a half years. Now, there's a lot of ways to come up with that. Uh, and um, they believe that we're going to be raptured in the last half uh, and this theory contains all the outpourings of the wrath of God at the last three and a half years. Now, there's a lot of people that believe that. I don't see that. Again, I'm, I'm just telling you what I see, and you can see it differently. I don't see the first three and a half years of that being peaceful. I believe, that, you know, when you look at the, the seven-year tribulation period, there are, there are three different sets of judgments. There's the seal judgments, there are seven of those, and then you have the seven trumpets judgments, and then you have the seven vile judgments. Now, what they think basically is all those bad parts of the of the of the tribulation are going to happen in that last three and a half years. If you look at it from a chronological standpoint, uh, whether you believe that or not, I you know that's up to you. You need to study for yourself. I can't spoon feed you. You need to study for yourself on what it is. But I see it chronologically where those seals and six of those trumpets happen in that first three and a half years period, and that's not peaceful to me. Amen. Uh, that's a lot of tribulation coming, and 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 I don't see them. And so other people see that they happen all at, at one time. And 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 uh, there's one man that I truly respect. I've got over two and a half feet of books on his bookshelf. I've listened to hundreds of hours of him in person and and on video. And he has a different take on that. And he's totally doctrinally sound, and I love him. But I, I don't think that his te he he teaches something totally different. Uh, and and and. Uh, but these, 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 between the seals and the trumpets and the vials, each one of these judgments get worse and worse and worse. Amen. It's almost like God's saying, okay, I, I'm trying to get your attention, Israel, and they don't, so I'm going to shake it up a little bit more. Amen. Literally. And uh, with the earthquakes. And then, and then I'm going to, and then if you're still not, you know, turning to me, I'm going to really shake it up with, those, with, with the vials that I pour out. So. That's the way I see it. I see it chronologically. Other people see it different. But post-tribulationists believe that all those bad things during the tribulation happened in the last three and a half years. I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. I see it happen through the whole seven years. That's my personal belief.
uh, the, the, the essentials of the mid-tribulation rapture. If you look right there at the top right there, I've got the, the church is raptured at the end of the three-and-a-half-year period. Um, then they believe they deny or weaken biblical dispensations. Um, again, biblical dispensations, you, you, when you look at the time periods, this cannot be a good, uh, this theory can't, can't hold true. The position must deny the concept of the church as a mystery. Uh, again, we know that the, the church was not mentioned in the Old Testament. It wasn't given until Paul. And so if you place the church through part of this, then you can't place them through part of it without placing them through all of it. It just doesn't work. Uh, the belief that the church must look for all the signs during the first half of the tribulation would destroy the doctrine of imminency. And then uh, another argument used by the advocates of this position, an argument that the tribulation period is only three and a half years in length. And again, I told you where they get that, three and a half years. I'm not trying to hide anything, but I, I don't see how you can do that. While it's recognized, Daniel gave notice that the 70th week was to be broken into two parts, uh, but it's speaking all of the same period. It's just two parts of the same period, and the latter half is spoken of as the Great Tribulation. Uh, nowhere in Scripture is the period divided into two unrelated parts. Folks, it's all one part of the same thing divided into, divided into half. That's where, that's, where, that's where people get their confusion. Each with a different characterization. The mid-tribulation view essentially divides the 70th week into two disassociated parts. They're all part of the same thing. Amen? It, and... Uh, they're still calling it the 70th week. Holding the church may go through half of it uh, because it has a different characterization than the, the last half. That's impossible to do, as I said. We are part of the body of Christ. Uh, and, 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 and all of this is dealt with in unity. We are in union and we are at unity with Jesus Christ. You can't break part of it up, amen? That's all I'm going to say on that. Let's move on down to pre-tribulation rapture period. Y'all are doing good on time here. Y'all listen real well. Amen. <laughs> pre-tribulation. In its entirety, the body of Christ, what it's saying, will be removed uh, from earth before the 70th week talk. And all of us, amen, that are born again. The pre-tribulation rapture rests essentially on one premise, and that is the literal interpretation of the Bible. Amen. Now, even your even your 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 all millennials will 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 agree with you that that they differ on us because they don't take a literal uh, uh, interpretation of the Bible. They tell you that it's they spiritualize it, and that's the difference right there. And they admit that. The pre-tribulationist believes in a dispensational interpretation of the Word of God. The church and Israel are two distinct groups with whom God has a divine plan. The church is a mystery until revealed into the Old Testament. And this present age intervenes within the program of God for Israel because of Israel's rejection of the Messiah at His first advent. Folks, we wouldn't even be here if they had accepted Him. Amen? That's why it was a mystery. Um... 
Amlin, uh, uh, it can easily be seen from the literal method of interpretation demands of the pre-tribulation rapture. You cannot, lit- you cannot spiritualize any of this and come up with a pre-tribulation rapture theory. It's, it's not possible. The post-tribulationists must either interpret the book of Revelation historically, uh, which basically spiritualizes a method and treats it as future, uh, but either way they're spiritualizing it and taking away the literalness of it. Uh, I'm gonna go, the mid-tribulations will apply the literal method of interpretation to the last half, but not to the first half. Again, it's all one characterization, it's all one period. You can't, do, you can't say, well, part of it's literal and part of it's spiritual, and if you look at a mid-tribulation, that's what you're doing. You're spiritualizing half of it, and you're taking half of it literal, and that, that cannot happen. The nature of Daniel's 70th week, uh, these words are used both in Old Testament and New Testament to describe the 70th week period, and we consider together, they give us the nature of this period. Folks, it's going to be a bad, bad time. I'm glad I'm not going to be here. I, I said last week at the nursing home, I think it was, uh, you know, the, the only negative thing to, to the rapture happening right now is the loved ones that we have left behind, Amen. And we all have lost loved ones, and that is, that is, that is, you know, we, we pray for them. I do not want to see anybody go through this. But the nature of this right here is you've got wrath, you've got judgment, you've got indignation, you've got punishment, you've got uh, an hour of trial, an hour of temptation, destruction, and darkness. This is what the 70th week of tribulation is about. And we don't have to worry about one second of that. Amen? Amen. Uh, Daniel 9, 24, uh, God says to the prophet, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. That's Daniel's people. That's Israel. That's the holy city, Jerusalem. That has nothing to do with the church. Since the church didn't have its existence until after uh, uh, the death of Christ, until after he was buried, until after he was resurrected, until after the ascension of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the church didn't exist. So if this 70-week period is one, one, one complete period, then there's no way that you can place the church in that 70th week if it wasn't in the first 69 weeks. Amen? I hope you all understand what I'm saying there. The church did not exist during the first 69 weeks of Daniel's, Daniel's uh, prophecy. If it didn't exist in the first 69 weeks, it can't exist in the 70th week. Uh, <clears throat> there's also a distinction between the true church and the professing church. Now, I'm not trying to get into a partial rapture position here. I'm just saying that all those that's, that claim to be Saved or not saved, the churches are full of them. Amen. Uh, and 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 the only person that I'm sure of is Jim Bolin. Amen. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure of Patty. Amen. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm more sure of hers now. Mine. Amen. Okay. Uh, but not everybody that is in a professing Christian church is going to be is, is going up in the rapture. Amen. Uh, there's a distinction between the true church and the professing church. Amen. 
when you look at the true church, uh, uh, the true church right here, again, I'll go over that. Uh, we are part of Christ's body. We are part of Christ's body. Uh, the church, we're a bride. He's the bridegroom. Uh, we're the building, and he is the, the cornerstone of that, that building. Amen. Okay, just real briefly, I'm going to reiterate the point because it, because it is important with eschatology, uh, the mystery of the church, the fact that God was going to form Jews and Gentiles alike into one body was never revealed in the Old Testament. And that is an important doctrine to understand eschatology. The distinction of eminence, I'm not going to beat, beat a dead horse, but nothing has to happen before Christ returns. And... and uh, Many signs were given to the nation of Israel and what they would look for before Jesus Christ comes back at his second advent. But that is for Christ coming back at the second advent, not for Christ coming back to rapture the church out. I'm, I'm going I'm to go with that. Okay, I'm almost done here. Now what I'm going to look at here, I'm going to look at 14 distinctions between the rapture of the church and the revelation of the church because there is a difference and um, try not to get in Joe's way right here I'm going to step back here but just, just simply uh, looking at that the rapture entails the removal of all believers while the second advent entails the appearing of the manifestation of the sun number two the rapture sees the saints caught up in the air in the second advent he returns to the earth with us amen the third thing in the rapture Christ comes to claim a bride but in the second advent he returns with the bride the fourth thing the rapture results in the removal of the church and the inception of the tribulation and the second advent results in the establishment of the millennial kingdom the fifth thing the rapture is imminent Imminent means it happens at any time, while the second advent is preceded by a multitude of signs. The sixth thing, the rapture brings a message of comfort. He says, comfort one another with these things. Amen. Why would he say comfort if we're going through, going through any wrath? Amen. Uh, uh, while the second advent is accompanied by a message of judgment. When we looked at those those things of the judgment and the wrath there seven the rapture is related to the program for the church while the second advent is related to the program for Israel and the world it is God's judgment on this world we will not have to endure that eight the rapture is a mystery while the second advent is predicted in both testaments nine at the rapture there's my timer. Y'all doing good. We're almost through. Um, I got four minutes. Okay, so uh, the rapture is a, a mystery. At the rapture, believers are judged, but the second advent, the Gentiles and Israel are judged. Number 10, the rapture leaves creation unchanged while the second advent entails a change in its creation. Folks, he's coming back on the Mount of Olives and it's going to split wide open, amen. There's going to be an earthquake like nobody's ever seen before, amen. 
I talked about that. Patty and I have been in California off and on for 20 years. And when we first went out there, you used to hear earthquakes all the time, you know. And we'd look and we'd start shaking. I'd say, was that an earthquake? She goes, well, I don't know. I think so. Now I've learned since then, I can almost tell you what number it is. Uh, I've been out there and been through so many. I can tell you whether it's a, a 4.5 or a, a 6.7, and I can get pretty close. I've been through enough of them. But I'm going to tell you what, when this thing happens, there ain't going to be no question about it. Nobody's going to be looking around at what it is. You're going to feel that shaking. Or they're going to, you know, that, that, that shaking going to be felt all over. Amen? Don't let me lose my spot. Oh, okay, number 10. Number 11, at the rapture, Israel's covenants are unfulfilled, but the second advent, all her covenants are fulfilled. I want to elaborate on this because I've only got a couple of minutes, and I really want to drive home this point. A post-tribulation rapture. Now, you think about that. Post-tribulation rapture, that means the church is going through the tribulation, okay? And that means that all those that get saved during that period are becoming part of the church just like we are, okay? So for that to be true then we go through all the tribulation, all those that get saved during the tribulation become part of the church. Y'all following me? And then when Christ comes back at the second advent and he raptures everybody at the, at, at the end of the tribulation, then all of us that are saved go up to meet him, right? And then we come back with him. Now let me tell you something. If you believe that, then Christ comes back, who's he going to reign over? Because all the, all the, everybody's part of the church and is all raptured up and we're all saints of God. There's nobody left on the, on the earth to reign over. When you look at that, if you look at that viewpoint, you're doing away with the Abrahamic covenant, you're doing away with the Davidic covenant, you're doing away with the, the, uh, the Palestinian covenant that I covered, and you're doing away with the new covenant. You are just throwing away so much of God's promises right there because the Bible says He will come back. Those covenants will be fulfilled when He comes back at the second advent. If there's nobody left here to, to, uh, uh, to be saved, because understand, when they, those that, got saved, that get saved during the tribulation, they're going to go into the millennial reign in their bodies that they have now. They do not have a resurrected body. They go into the millennium with that same body, and that's, where, that's, that's who's going to reign, okay? I hope I didn't confuse you all with that, but... I mean, it's just, uh, there's, there's no way. You have to do away with so many scriptures. Number 13, the rapture shall take place before the day of wrath, but the second advent follows it. And 14, the rapture is for believers only, but the second advent has its effect on all men. Everybody will know it when he comes back. Amen. All right, I hope I didn't overwhelm you, but I had to try to get all that in. Uh, I appreciate Brother Andrew letting me come up. He told me I could do this in six weeks, and I got to stretch it out to seven, and it's still a lot of material to go through. But uh, uh, I appreciate y'all letting me uh, let me get up and share what uh, what I what I learned here. Amen.